Welcome to the. What is it? What are we on? What I think we? it's Kafaru Cast. Kaf- uh, oh, G. Gladiators Unleashed. G-U. Inspired Wild Podcast. My name is Trevon. Mi. Uh, Miyama. Miyamo. Miyama. No, Miyamo, because it's, it'd, be, uh, it'd be masculine, right? Miyamo. Es Trevon. Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevon, your host. I am here, as you can hear. I am here, as you can hear. Those are two different here's, one being the H-E-E-R-E, the other H-E-A-R. We're going down the road. As you can hear, we are going down the road. And uh, I'm with Kyle Michael. I'm with Tanner Vernon. And we are leaving New Mexico elk hunt. And this was a late season archery hunt that I drew this year. And so we're just going to jump right into it and uh, and talk about the hunt and uh, bring you up to speed. There's some exciting opportunities in New Mexico um, as far as big game hunting. So, Kyle, why don't you explain the topography that we hunted this last week? Uh, well, I guess what we tried hunting was fairly tall mountains mountain range that was fairly rocky and what do you mean tried <laughs> i don't understand the tried hunting we hunted we did hunt uh we made it at least halfway up that that range before we ran into somebody but we uh the the terrain was pretty i don't know it was rough as rocky a lot of cactus and what have you but um i think going up wasn't as bad as coming down a lot of moving rocks and whatever else but the rest of the terrain outside of that mountain range was was fairly flat. I guess it kind of looks like desert with a bunch of cedars and junipers and what have you. So, yeah, it's definitely a kind of a central New Mexico, rolling cedar hills, high desert, and then there's a couple of mountain ranges. Um, and the crazy thing about how we were hunting it is. It continually reminded me of the Florida Mountains in hunting Ibex. We were on the bottom. We would actually get on knobs. That would get us a little bit of elevation. And we'd glass. And we would start glassing at first light. And we would literally glass till dark. Unless we found a bull that put himself in a position that we could make a stalk on. Um... I think the cool thing about that was that was neat for me to see yeah like for the first time I, you know I've, I've noticed you over the year um, you know taking your time to glass from a distance and then kind of figuring out a plan um, and I think in this case this was a little uh, maybe unique in my opinion just because I haven't experienced it before but I feel like we're a good couple miles away from them, maybe a mile and a half or b- before we even can consider getting in an area where you can possibly hunt them. But um, And that type of terrain, too, takes, takes some time to get into and finding the right position to get on a certain cliff edge or whatever it is that you need to. But Yeah, it, you go prepared to glass all day. I do think we took a few little snoozes. There was times I had to get up and walk away because um, 
my eyeballs were bugging out of my head because I've been <laughs> looking so intently. But you're picking these bulls out early morning, um, you know, as they're feeding, and you're trying to watch where they're going. And what we're seeing basically is them moving down into an area where where they can be in some shade uh, and bed the, the whole day. I think it's important to, in, in hunts like this, that you have a good glassing system. Yep. And the system, well, what do you, explain what you run. So I'm running outdoorsman tripod with um, Swaro SLC 15s mostly and then I have the STS 65 spotter just to to verify and you know kind of judge bulls or whatever but those those 15s are I mean I can literally stare through those things all day it's and that's I think that's the type of hunt when it's really important to have very good optics because you're going to be behind them a lot and when you got you know lower end binos or whatever um you're you're just not going to have as much fun there's going to be more eye strain or whatever so it's i think really important to have good glass and that you can really just sit behind all day because that's what it, that's what it takes really i think people don't understand what causes eye strain and um i had some uh, an optometrist explain it to to me um in a way that made more sense and that your eye is naturally attracted to clarity so um my system i run 10 by 50 uh El Soros and uh, Swarovski, and then I also have uh, Mavens that are 18 power. Unfortunately, I left those <laughs> at the office. Somehow they didn't make it on the trip. And um, and then I have my Swarovski spotting scope. Um, again, like you, to verify or judge. Yeah. Well, one thing I learned. It's not about the power, but as this fellow explained to me, your eye is lo it, uh, is drawn to clarity. So in a situation where you have good clarity at the center of your field of view, that's where your eye most naturally is drawn to and it's relaxed. If you don't have what we call clarity field of view, or edge-to-edge -edge clarity, you're forcing your eye to the edges to look around, and it becomes, that's where the eye strength comes in. Yeah. Um, where, you, you like your SLCs, uh, my 10 powers, my Mavens, they're good, but their edge-to-edge -edge clarity does not compare yeah. to the Swarovskis. And, um, I mean, I like them, and I still use them quite a bit. Um, when I remember them, but um, they just don't compare. But they're not trying to. They're a they're a mid level yeah. optic. They're not a, a high end optic. So um, for your money, I think the Mavens are pretty pretty decent optics. I do think though, 
glassing day in day out like that like we did you have to have a system that makes you comfortable too so uh, I use a, a glassing pad like a seat mm-hmm. and um, and then ended up taking a chair I'm much more comfortable when I can lean back in something yeah so that's our system Kyle what do you think of our system I liked your system and you <laughs> on the other hand were filming for us and um, I swear I'm packing a pair of binoculars from you from now on um, I'm just gonna buy a set I have what 10 by 48 mavens that I have the b2s and those don't even I mean when we're looking from that distance I had to keep still in tanners <laughs> glass. <laughs> yeah uh, but well and the other thing is the actual support system um, I have a natural shake anyway I'm if I stand there and look at something there there is just a natural shake in my hand I've always had it, um, and I can see so much better if I even my ten powers. If I just throw them on a tri, uh, uh, on a you know a, a support system, whether it be a outdoorsman or whatever. Yeah, that's what I like. I mean, I see that a lot where people are not, you know, putting binos on a tripod, which you know I've glassed up many many things handheld you know binos but when you remove that movement you're able to pick out movement on the hill so much so easier. much easier. like just even like an antler moving or whatever because you know a lot of times you're masking that by moving yourself and when you can especially on a mountain like that where you're looking at a big face um like i, I generally you know gridded out and a lot of people go left to right and I, I tend to go up I go up and down from the left to the right generally and then I'll come back um, but up and down mostly and uh, that's just that's just my system but when I can I can move it to spots you know that I'm thinking there's gonna be elk and then I can I can just set it there and not move it at all and you know if an elk moves or whatever i'm able to pick that up very easily so that's that's just that's very underrated i think and anybody that's you know great glasser out west is you're gonna see them throw throw their binos on a tripod i you know we're we were hunting with derek harris with a south peak guide service uh who we drip we actually applied for the tag through um, and have hunted Ibex and some stuff with him um, in the past. Well, Derek's system, I think he's running 12s, 15s. He's running the same, yeah, SLC 15s okay. on an outdoorsman. But he has that BTX that we got to play with that was I'm now in love with. Oh, yeah, BTX is awesome. Oh, man. It, it, what it basically is is it's an adapter that goes onto your spotting scope and turns it into basically a kick-butt binocular. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, anyway, he's running the same system. So, Derek, uh, Roy was uh, a hunter that was hunting with Derek. We were kind of hunting with them, but kind of doing our own thing. Worked out well. Um, if you're interested in applying for a hunt in New Mexico and hunting, getting, I mean, I can't tell you the, how valuable it is to hunt with someone like Derek. Yeah. Uh, not that you couldn't do it, 
but the amount of time and effort it takes to learn an area, to find what type of animals are in there, what their habits are, how to hunt them prior to the season. New Mexico is notorious for short seasons. I mean, we had a five-day archery hunt. Yep. I mean, that's not very long. And um, so here we are. I apply with him. I draw. My odds as a non-resident are better. And then, you know, the ability to, to, to compensate him for his knowledge and his effort prior to. So that was, that was pretty good. That was pretty fun. Um, and I, I would strongly recommend that. Uh, and, of course, we've known Derek for years and years and years um, and uh, enjoy hunting with him. So why don't we talk a little bit? I'm trying to trying to lead people through. I, I don't know that it, this is one of those podcasts where we're going to go day one, We, you know, because we really just glassed yeah. the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went on two uh, possible stocks, which we'll talk, we'll talk through. Um, but talk about the, t- the bulls we were seeing, Tanner. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of, you know, we saw a lot of young bulls, um, but there definitely is, we're definitely seeing bulls in that 315 to 340s range as well. Um, not a ton, but in this, I think this unit generally um, has some pretty big bulls. It sounds like talking to some other, another guide that a few of the really big bulls were, were killed. Um, there was, I guess, three big ones killed off of that Ponderosa ranch down below during the rut. Um, but then we ended up seeing a bull that has been around for a while that was, you know, he's in that, he was probably 360s last year and I think he's regressed a little, but just a, a big bull. Um, and then several other nice 320, 330 bulls. Um, this year seems like there was, you know, just across the board in New Mexico, it sounds like there's a lot of broken bulls just with the drought and everything, but there's, there's definitely a, we saw our fair share of broken bulls as well. Yeah, we would see a, a great six on one side and he'd be a five on the other, not because he was a natural five, but because his sword would be broken off, you know, his fourth would be broken off and, and his main beam would be busted in half. Yeah. Or not in half, but after the after his fourth, you know. Yep, yeah, and I don't know, I mean, we were seeing probably 10 plus bulls a day, so it was it was fun and probably I, I think there was only one day we didn't see something that we would go after yeah uh, you know so the quality of bulls is well let's let's talk about rifle in Colorado I mean I don't think you're gonna see that number of quality bulls on a rifle hunt in Colorado unless you're in a limit really limited draw area yeah yeah definitely definitely a lot better than the, the general over-the-counter stuff in yeah. Colorado. Ah, drink, drink of that coffee. It's good. <laughs> so, Kyle, having this been your first 
taste. I, 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 I guess that's the best way. Your, your first yeah. taste of this style of elk hunting. What, what are your, you know? I love it. I love it because you get to see animals every day. So it's, it's nice. I mean, I understand the, the risk, you know, you kind of take. You don't, like, I guess that's how I would see it is you're not going to run into these hills and just hope that you run into something. I mean, we ran into that yesterday where we walked up and I don't know how many yards we were away from them, maybe, maybe a couple hundred or whatever. And, you know, you spooked those bulls, whether it was us or the other, the other hunter that was moving through. But I mean, it's, it's going to be tough with that type of terrain and not making noise. And I feel like you, I like this because you can sit back glass, make a plan and then go after it. The, the, the first opportunity that we had was incredible on how you were able to plan that entire trip to set up you know even though we ran into a couple uh deals at the end there but it was still it was still a neat experience i would i yeah, would are, definitely do are this are you talking about the first time when we got uh when we got on on that bull we called lenart lenart yep yeah, okay. so it, and that was well, what was great. Well, set that scene. Explain that whole thing. Let's talk about finding him that morning. I mean, this is a great opportunity for us. Let's jump into that as an example of how you hunt this country. And that's that's what I, I enjoyed. So I guess that's kind of my first experience into this. And as you guys said, sitting down to glass, it's extremely important. Like I was hand-holding because I didn't have a tripod, obviously, setting up for filming and everything. But You did have a tripod. You had a tripod every day. You just for the camera, you exactly. Take the ca <laughs> I you still take tanners. the video camera off and yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I can see the difference why. So experiencing that a little bit too. Um, but then when we saw that bowl, that Lenart bowl uh, in the morning, I mean, seeing the difference in size from him to those other two bowls that were in the area um, was really neat. And you guys being extremely patient on i think most people would say, oh there he is let's go but you know you guys were patient and kind of wait see what he does throughout the day and wait for him to bed or do whatever he's going to do and that afternoon uh we were fortunate enough where he he kind of moved up against a, a cliff edge or a bluff i guess that was um up on the ridge you guys made a plan on which way to go based on the wind and it was it was just a cool experience to kind of have that um, that as we well, kind of walked I, and up. I think it's important to point out that we're literally hunting these elk like we hunt mule deer. That's what it feels like. Yeah, we're spotting or glassing. The ideal position is to bed one down under a tree <laughs> and never lose sight. Right. Yeah. So, you, you, in a situation like that, you'd have somebody on a spotting scope watching that bull. You'd 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 leapfrog another person to another high spot who would then pick up that bull and they would sit there then you move your hunter in so you literally never lose sight of the on this of these bulls but that's not real uh every time we the topography doesn't hold to that and what we haven't talked about is the other hunters in there right there were other hunters and it seemed like every time we found a good bull so did everybody else yeah the problem is is elk are not hard to glass up just they're kind of big yellow beacons and there's areas in there where they're pretty they match the rocks pretty good but 
people that hunt this kind of country, you know, effectively are, they're doing the same thing. They're glassing and picking these bulls up. So that is a, that is a sucky part of public land, but that is part of it. And I think you take that risk like we experienced yesterday. I know probably talk about it more, but that was kind of a good example where we ran into that that guy halfway up, you know, as we were on our way to one of the bulls uh, that has been spotted in the morning. And, uh, you know, he might have just been proactive, just moving his, you know, moving up there first thing in the morning to try to get set up. Um, and I don't think he was any more productive than we would have been you know, from glassing that morning. He, he, does that make sense? Like he right. The only way he would have been more productive had, was had he headed up in the dark early morning and had a spotter and had communication with that spotter. Yeah, that's the only only way. And you kind of got to almost be a little bit lucky that you're not spooking elk out as you're walking in. Right. But um, well, so we found the bull. Let's let's go back. You were talking a little bit about that. Uh, Kyle, we found that bull that morning. Had was he by himself or did he have those some other? He had some uh, little bulls. Those with two, him. yeah, I think he had those yeah. two smaller ones with him. And right away we knew he was definitely a shooter. And um, and what I mean by a shooter is he was up on the backside of a bull on a kind of on a ridge line, and then he fed off and down. And that was going to be a jaunt, and but we were like, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, we didn't leave right then, though. We mm-hmm. didn't just bail off and let's go get him, right? We waited, and then what finally happened is that afternoon, the bowl that was facing us with, if you can imagine, uh, a face, the ridge line at the very top, is where he went over away from us Well, he fed or came back over and started feeding in this open bowl that was facing us and he was right in the middle yep and for us we're like mm, there's some rock bluffs on either side i mean we start looking at onyx just on the map about okay there's a little private here let's go around this and when he popped over we had to make a quick decision and we did yeah and away we went yep and that was me, you, and Kyle. Now, as we're going up the west side, our plan was the the wind was from west to east, right? If I remember correctly, or was it an eastern wind that day? It was. Day? <coughs> it was when I was up on that top. It was kind of eastern. Okay, um, so it was mm-hmm. in. The, okay, well. I think part of that has to do with a lot with the thermals too. Yeah. Because there wasn't it wasn't a strong wind. Let's just say that yeah. the predominant wind wasn't very strong. And Roy, come to find out, was going up the east side, supposedly staying off of the back, um, where his scent would rise with the thermals and go on up into Never Neverland, not again not drop falling into this bowl. So we take off. We get up there we it didn't take us but an hour yeah it didn't take us too long yeah to get up there and the next thing we know we we get up to this rock that you know kind of where we're thinking and the bull is still out there feeding Mm -hmm. 
And when you first saw him, he was how far? One. I think you told me 150. Yeah, 150. He you was were, 150. You, you, you crawled out there and you're looking, and then you look and you went, oh, yeah. Fives, yeah. And you did the 150 <clears throat> with your hand. Yeah, he was 150 from where we first saw him. Pretty much in the same place as when we, when we, you know, left to go. Because we lost, we could see him for a ways when we were moving across the flats. And then when, as you get to the base of the hill, it kind of. You lose the contour. You, you lost him, and but he was pretty pretty well in the same spot. Um, and I was able to climb up higher and set up the our long lens on him and get some really awesome footage. And I was, I think, at that point, 130. But just the way that that little basin sits, and it, he's kind of at the back of it, right in the middle, so he can kind of see the edges on both sides, and it. You know, just a tough place to get too close to him other than coming down on top. And we were close enough there in the evening that I don't, you know, we didn't want to get stuck above him when the right. therm thermals dropped. Um, we were perfect for the rising thermals and for the dropping thermals. Yeah, we were just we kind of level the same level. Yep. And, and if he would have gone left or gone right, as we're looking at it, gone right, gone, gone away from us, gone to the east, we, he would have just got further away. But if he would have fed around that, you know, that big rock face that was in the middle of that bowl, he would have fed around. He it would have put, us, put him within 60 to 80 yards of us. Right, yeah. Yeah, and even if he went away, there's kind of a little, there's kind of a little hump in that, the back of that basin. He was right on top of it, and as he started to go away, towards the end he kind of went up down that and he almost he almost would have lost sight of him right there and maybe could have made a move but just where he was at and he wasn't moving he was just feeding on um mahogany in there he's just stripping the mahogany branches and yeah leaves. and i mean that's pretty much what that whole that whole little basin was is just mahogany and some prickly pear and choya and you know, a, a tree here and there, a, a cedar tree here, here and there, but not really that many, and just lots of rock, and so it's fairly open. I think it was pretty cool. You when you when you grabbed the two to six hundred to go get that epic footage, um, and I don't use the word epic very often, but this footage really is pretty cool. Um, Kyle and I kind of looked at ourselves because. I wanted to see where he was, so I had crawled out, got a window, and, and, and I looked at him. And then when I came back, you were already heading around to get set up on that rock to get that camera set up. Mm -hmm. And I looked at Kyle, and I said, are we supposed to follow him? <laughs> like, like, were you wanting us to come up? Did you know something we didn't know about a way to get to him? And then I thought... I watched you. I expected you to look back, and I was kind of going to give you the shoulder shrug. What do you want us to follow you? And then I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, we're just going to hunt. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. You're going to go get set up, so you're getting footage. And Kyle, who is going to kind of run that right with me camera uh, for you camera nerds, that's a, a seventy to two hundred that he was running right next to me. And then you, what was your handheld camera you had on your? Uh, that was a sixteen to thirty-five. Sixteen to thirty-four, day, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I say, well, I'm going to hunt, by golly. And so, if imagine that we're on this rock bluff that kind of pokes up. So, 
almost like a fence, if you will. Yeah. And you had gone up higher. Uh, you're videoing down, still watching your 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 movement and yeah. everything. There's a few bushes in there. I'm getting out to the edge, and then what I realize is I can climb over this first little group of rocks, and it's still it's still kind of flat and goes to another little group of rocks, which is, should be the good cover. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, man, man, I might be able to get another 20 yards closer because right now I'm ranging him, and from where I'm at, he's 140 yards. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm keep moving, keep moving, and so every time he put his head down into the you know whatever and he the mahogany branch and he'd go to i'd move a little bit and it was pretty still the wind was pretty calm yeah but thermal still rising no problem and he kept looking our way and i'm like man is he but the sun was setting right behind us so if he looked our way he would be looking directly into the sun so i really wasn't worried about it I know you even mentioned that when you were up on the rock a little bit. Yeah. And uh, we found out why he was looking our way. Because after probably 20 minutes? Yeah, that's what it felt like, 15, 20 minutes. Would you say we were there for 20 minutes? Yeah, probably. uh, We start hearing stuff below us. Now, let's uh, cut scene there. (laughs) Let's go to uh, Roy. What Roy had done is he had worked around and dropped down in on that bull. And Derek was was actually glassing and could see him and the bull. And he's like, uh, Derek's like, man, I think you're in, I think you're in, in bow range. But Roy couldn't see the bull. Yeah. The foliage was just too high. So... As Roy's trying to move closer, he had spooked some elk up as he was coming up that we saw that apparently had dropped down into that bowl towards on our side. Yeah. And we kept hearing, you, well, t- tell what you thought it was. Well, I, so I, as soon as I went up higher to, uh, to film, I, you know, I couldn't see you guys. And it was immediately for me, I started hearing stuff off that side and I thought you guys were moving down there and I'm like how why are they like just why are they moving in and playing side of this bull like I was so I was like what the heck are you guys doing and I could I kept hearing stuff and then the bull would look over there and I'm like oh my gosh they're gonna blow him out you thought we had wrapped around the front of that face yeah in plain sight that bull and we're just sitting there just trying to like work in like in plain sight when he wasn't watching or whatever just bush to bush and i was like what in the heck like this is not this is never gonna work (laughs) and uh but i just kept hearing him and hearing him and hearing him and finally you know the thermal switched on on Roy and they blew out and I'm like oh crap there was elk and I mean I'm sure they were within bow range below me I guess they they had to have been within bow range you guys too I mean they were they sounded like they were right right below us and there was kind of a younger raghorn bull and a and a smaller six probably probably a 280 yeah. 285 type 6x6 six six, which honestly uh, you know at this juncture I'm I'm just I just want to get close to a bull and, and whatever. But 
I'm also looking at a nice 320, 330 bull maybe. Yeah. Um, and we've got more time, right? Right. So after the thermals change, and for those of you who've hunted in the mountains, you understand that. It's that the sun drops, and when the air cools enough, the thermals start to drop. And so you're, if you're sitting on top of a ridge, you're, the winds kind of, it feels like the wind's in your face, but it's the thermals. And the next thing you know, it's hitting you in the back yep. of the head. Well, that's why we like to get even on a, on a hillside if it's in that questionable time. Yeah. Because unless you have a, a horrible predominant wind, your thermals will equalize. Doesn't matter if it drops or goes up because you're you're even with them you can still move in well we were kind of even um, unfortunately Roy who had made the right move during the during the day or during the heat of the day because the thermals are rising you know he'd got to within bow range of that bull just didn't have a shot and then the thermals and he was there long enough the thermals switch and of course these bulls below us get our get his scent and so fast forward to me you're wondering what we're doing i'm wondering what's going on <laughs> and I, I i i didn't creep all the way out to the edge because i would have exposed myself to the big bull so um they finally run and make enough noise that i know that that's got to be other elk yeah and i step out just a little bit and uh that six and that raghorn kind of run out now, the bull is watching them intently now, and so the 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 six the small six point stops and turns broadside, and I range him at eighty five yards, and I'm looking, and I instinctively reach down and set my dial for eighty five yards. And then I look back towards Kyle to make sure he is, you know, on. Yeah, and, and, and you, you can't see me. Explain what you were seeing back there. Yeah, so I'm watching you, and I'm hearing the same thing that you're hearing, and I'm confused by... And at this point, I hadn't seen any elk. So even where you were and where I was, I was I was quite a bit behind you, but I was trying to move as you moved in. You couldn't see the big up bull? No, okay. from where I was at that time. Right. So I was gotcha. following your movement as you would move up. So when you'd stop, I'd stop. When you move, I'd move. And then I tried to stay with you. Well, I got to a point where you started creeping down that um, kind of between those bushes and you kind of sat, you were kind of sitting down below and I had I had the the frame on you well, then we started hearing those rocks move, and I had assumed that was the bigger, the bigger bull just because I couldn't see it yet. But it didn't make sense because of where you were glassing and ranging, so I was just as confused as you probably were. But I see you look back as those two other bulls come out, and I see you changing your dial. So then I, I move up onto those two elk that run out, the smaller six, and I was like, well, if you're ready and you're going to shoot it, then... I, I've at least got the footage of that animal, but, you know, we were kind of in a position where we couldn't really see, you know, you couldn't see me, so. Right. And so, I, you know, having dialed 85 yards, I look back, I couldn't see you clearly, and I'm like, well, 
There's the bigger bull. I can see. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna take that shot. No, and I so never. So I went ahead and yeah. immediately dialed my sight back to 60 because I'm like, okay, I know what I'll do is I'll forget I put it on 85, <laughs> and then I'll have a bull jump up at 20 and I'll miss it. Yeah. Because I didn't dial my sight. Because I shoot that five pin. Um, it's fast Eddie XL from Spot Hog, which is the nice thing about it is I have five pins, which 98, 99.5% of my shots in a hunting situation, I'm hunting 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 yard pins, right? And if he's 55, I'm splitting my 50 and my 60, right? Typical hunting. But in a situation where I need exact yardage, my lower, my lowest pin is my floater. And so I could dial it to 21 yards, or I could dial it to 101 yards, right? right? Not that I'd shoot an animal that far, but still, it's that ability. So by dialing, you know, so if anything's past 60 and I'm going to shoot, my only option is to dial. So that's why I put it back to set. I'm going to have to sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. I think I got... Tanner, I think I sneezed on your arm there. Sorry about that. I, I couldn't cover my mouth very good. Or Clearly. At all. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, that sneeze just came on. It was crazy. All right. So here we are. I, I uh, reset. Did you hit the dial here? Did I hit what dial? Oh, I just lost audio on the left side. Uh, the audio on the left side. Do you have it now? Yep. Can, give me a test. 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 Give me a test. 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 Huh? Test. 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 I test. Can hear. We're good. Yep. Test. Okay. All right. La, 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 Sorry. La, la. We're shuffling around. I'm sneezing on Tanner's arm and hitting buttons and stuff. So back to what I was saying I dial my sight back now it's just a watching game just a matter of a watching game at this point though in that exact moment we didn't know where Roy was we're telling you we're telling the, the listeners the story having known what happened Yeah. all we know is we're on a big bull he is feeding we really don't have a chance to get close, you know, closer than the bluffs. We hear noises, elk bust out, and then all the elk are gone. Yeah. When he blew out, he must have caught a good whiff of, of again, what we know now is to be Roy, who was above him. Right. And he did not stop. He did not look back. He ran and was gone. Mm-hmm. In watching that video, too, it looks like the entire time he was watching those two below him. And never, I don't know if he ever got the wind or if it was just those two that got that wind. I don't think, I don't think that the bigger bull knew anything except for those other two bulls were spooked and he wasn't going to stick around. Oh, and he was gone. Yeah, that's just why, that's the, I think that's the only reason. Okay, so you don't think he caught. No, 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 I don't think he got wind or anything. I think he just knew something was wrong because those bulls were were leaving so obviously he's not gonna just sit there and feed anymore he decided to leave okay well that makes sense so 
with that in mind or with that fact happening um, we kind of reconvened and you came down and we touched base on what we saw and whatever you know and I'm pretty excited I had a shot you know 85 yards is a poke and I'm glad I didn't take that shot and um, you know so then we hear noises and we look up and here comes Roy around the edge right just to above us, us. Yeah, yeah just above us and we're like hey he's like hey so we it was good because we actually got together to get back to camp because again now it's getting dark and how far do you think that trek is from from that point back to the truck mm-hmm. mile and a half and maybe, maybe a little less. Yeah, a little less than that. Okay. Between a mile and a mile and a half. But it's a little bit in the dark. Uh, we're, we're skirting around some private land, so we're using Onyx to make sure we... And there's some fencing there that is private and public, and there's some fencing that's just cattle fencing. Mm-hmm. So we're working through these draws. and So it was nice to have someone like you that could lead... And pick a path, and the rest of us could kind of just concentrate on, on yeah. getting down. Yeah, it's that, uh, that was cool. That that stuff's definitely fun to walk on, especially in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of loose rock, and I thought it was interesting that Roy had two trekking poles, which we've used before. Um, like when we packed my bull out, of course, that wasn't very far. Right. But I used your trekking poles; it works out great, and yet. I've done it so many times, and I don't own a set of trekking poles. <laughs> yeah, it would have helped on this trip. Oh, for sure. man. The that, stabilization of the, the added stabilization with trekking poles is pretty... Especially when you have a pack with, you know, whether it's 20 pounds or 80 pounds. Yeah. Of course, 80 pounds, it would be much more important. But even with 20 pounds, and when you have a bow, and I mean, what I found is it was very difficult working through some of that uh the cedars and the and the brush because your bow gets hung up yeah it's not just a slick backpack you know yeah i know and the, the trekking poles are i used to make fun of them call them granola sticks or <laughs> hippie sticks or whatever but then i got a pair and it's pretty <laughs> they're pretty awesome in that kind of country i use them a lot shed hunting well, let's fast forward to yesterday. I think it can be honestly said that that bull became a lot of what our focus was to try and relocate that bull again and get back on him. Yeah. And did we? I don't, I, I don't know for sure. I It looks... It looks like the same bull, but I could never see his front because he had the one front that was kind of just went out straight, and I just right. never got a good look. I got a video of him, but, you know, that's from two miles away, and it's just it's just hard to hard to tell. Um, but dang sure a good bull yesterday morning for sure. Well, and we knew we had limited time because we had to get back. We we knew that the last day of the hunt which was Wednesday was going to be if we went out the chances of going out and 
getting on a stock and possibly killing a bull before noon were slim. So yeah. we pretty much had to commit to the whole day, which meant by the time we got back, because if we were staying another day, we were going to make plays on bulls, even if they were, as long as we could find legal bulls, we were going to make, try and get on one. Yeah. Um, which can sometimes be futile. It can sometimes be, well, what are we going to do, sit here and let the season go by, or we're going to make a play? And um, there's a there's a scale that you have between smart and hard, working smarter and working harder. Yeah. And we want to try and balance those, but sometimes you just need opportunities. Yeah. And I think yesterday was a really good opportunity. I think it was a good move, not not knowing that we were going to run into that hunter, but I think if we would have continued that trek up to the to that point where we were thinking um where we sat down the second time after we met that guy and i think looking in just to that back basin and how i mean there were a couple bowls in there that if it was just ups up there i think we would have had a i think we would have had another hour hour and a half available to us yesterday by doing that so let's do this let's set the scene for what happened so tanner talk us through all getting to that point so yesterday morning instead of going all to the same glassing point getting the same angle we kind of split up and um, Derek and Roy went to the the further point you know which is a very very good glassing point and we kind of stayed back further to the e or to the west and um, so we kind of had a different angle on that whole uh, mountain and all those canyons and stuff and you know we could see some spots that they couldn't see we were probably a mile apart um, we could see some stuff they couldn't see and vice versa and and uh, we ended up you know watching some bulls through the morning and everything we saw kind of just ducked down low towards the flats into the cedars and once they go you know into that where you're they're kind of on the same plane as you in those cedars that's good i mean it's almost impossible you're just going to be walking through there blindly and more than likely you're gonna you're gonna bump bulls not having any idea where they bed or where they ended up so that was kind of the story of the morning and then you know as it got as it got later and started to heat up a little bit um i really just started looking like kind of I, I would just find a shady side of a hill and just sit my you know lock down my binos on that spot and watch it for a while just to see if I could find movement and it I did that for a couple passes across the mountainside and then you know finally I I look up to this one little little hill uh way up high on the mountain range like I mean about the highest probably the highest we'd even seen elk and I you know I caught two bulls moving in the shadows right there I, I think it's important that we stress how far this was away yeah, it was a because always and the fact that where we sat up that morning we had kind of this angle that was really unique yeah um, from the other glassing point as you said we could not have seen these bulls where they started from mm -hmm. we would have been able to pick them up later but 
go ahead. So, so I, I just, and it's much further. When we got here, the snow level was at a certain height. Yeah. And as we hunted, I mean, the, the days warmed up. I mean, it only warmed up to 50, 60 degrees. Yeah. But it was enough to melt that snow off. And so the snow line was rising. Yeah. Okay. And they were kind of, there's kind of a point on the mountain where the feed really yeah. peters out. And they were like right at the top of that. Um, and they're just kind of feeding on this, on this east face. Um, and it hadn't got sun yet that morning. And so we watched them and watched them and watched them. And they just worked on the side for quite a while and then they started working towards the top of the ridge and once they if they topped out onto the other side they'd become much more visible and to other to other glassing points and they would also be on the west side kind of the southwest side of this face right in the sun and it was i mean as warm as it was the whole time we were here i mean it was got to like 60 63 degrees or something yesterday and um december 8th or something yeah i mean so normally we're that's pretty it's pretty warm for a december day yeah and and uh that, was, that sucked anyway where, uh, where was it do we get a new hole in the windshield i don't know wow um anyway so they started working up towards the top and we're like oh, come on don't don't go up there because you know i i really did expect them to bed in that that shady side at least you know they would have been till, hidden till afternoon um when the sun hit that and they just worked right up to the top of the ridge popped out in the sun they kind of did a dance and, stood and they stood there for a while we're like waved crap. a flag yeah i mean it was basically they their bodies lit up yeah and i'm like crap you know there's gonna be other people that see them or whatever and uh so they went to the top of the ridge they hung out and they kind of dropped off to their side and another guy pulled up down below her glassing and started setting up his spotter and so i uh walked down there and talked to him and he's like yeah we're you know just watching these bulls and so i'm like all right we already got competition great and it, it ended up being a spotter for a, for another outfitter and that you know, Derek's good buddies with yeah and super nice guy and we were we were talking to him I'm like hey we're you know if this bull puts himself in a bad spot or beds we're I mean we're gonna we're probably heading up there you know we don't want to have any conflict or step on anybody's toes but we've been watching him and well and let me jump in here because I want to I want to talk about the fact that there was a couple opportunities where we backed off, they went in, yeah, and then there on our first opportunity we went in and they backed off. Right. So there was some give and take here and some working together. Right. Which uh, I think is that's the best case scenario yeah, in, a, in a public land hunting situation. Yeah, it's definitely definitely important and. You always want to be courteous of other guys and everybody's out here you know putting in the same amount of effort so but it ended up that they had another bull glassed up um further down the range that was a you know it was a bigger bull we'd seen him the night before really big you know big long like 22 inch 
fourths and big thirds and impressive good, looking good bull. fronts and a bull that they had history with and so so they uh they opted to go for him and we were kind of left on our own with this other bull so we we got a game plan together and figured out where we wanted to try to hike in from and he we kind of lost sight of him so we didn't want to go in above him not knowing where he was so we opted to go up the ridge across from him on that canyon and you know hopefully glass him up again and then we could move in from there even if it was a little bit extra work yeah the idea was to move into a position reacquire him <laughs> so then we could make our final approach yeah and it would you know we'd have to gain more elevation that way probably going around above him that way and but it was just in my opinion necessary to kind of really pinpoint where he was at after we lost him and it was a good he was in a good drainage i mean there wasn't you know it's something that we were going to likely be able to glass him up again and pretty good chance with a lot of rock and some not not a crazy amount of trees but enough trees to maybe give you some cover and it was just a, it was a good draw i think to hunt a bull in so we ended up diving off in there i thought it was interesting um how when we started to make our plan and we were dealing with uh the other outfitter and, and the, the guys that were glassing um i they were really nice guys and i started talking to one of the guys winston mm -hmm. and uh, come to find out it was he we had a, a we actually knew each other um you know being born uh born in crucis and raised till i was you know an adult and moved away um he lived right across from my folks in Mesilla Park and managed a little uh, kind of stop and shop type of little grocery uh, gas station that was near my house. And um, the more I thought about it, especially on that hike we were on, was he used to come and um, play, you know, pick up basketball at the local park there and I'd go and play. Now he was a grown man and I was a kid, but we played, I, 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 you know, anyway, small world, small mm -hmm. world. And uh, we had a hard time kind of deciding how to get there. Yeah. I think we probably spent an hour looking at Onyx going, do we come this way? There was a little chunk of private that we were gonna have to go around that way or do we go in this other way, which we had gone in the first time, and then cut that ridge across? I think we kind of just decided that it was about the same distance because we had to skirt that. Yeah. And uh, Kyle really didn't care. He's just like, you guys decide and I'll follow. Yep. So once we made that decision, we went off, and there we go. And of course, when you leave, there's something about that eagerness of what is to happen and the adrenaline, and you know, you're pretty, I, 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 I'm like a cat when we leave the truck and like a turtle when we get back, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it really wasn't bad. 
Um, and that's when we actually bumped some bulls yeah. um, in the flats, that which was, was the whole reason we didn't just walk through the flats because we, yeah. you know, you're not going to have a shot in there. There's no way to glass it. It's too thick. Um, and you can't really still hunt it. Right. But we were going from point A to point B, so we had to at least get up to, to work this the uh, pretty... It was a pretty tall little, little yeah. knob to get up on the ridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was plenty of elevation gain, gained rapidly. We get up on the hill. We start working around. I know that I shed my long underwear halfway up the hill. Yeah. And I was go- really, really pleased that I took the time to do that. Freeing. Because <laughs> um, it was, like you said, probably one of the hottest days of our hunt you know getting up into the 60s low 60s um and and but we went in with the kafaru packs like i have a 22 mag and a 44 mag but i used the 44 mag because my my whole plan was we're gonna go and kill a bull and we're gonna pack him out oh yeah boy was i an idiot (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna just take this moment right now and say i was not prepared for the physicality of this hunt I did not come in ready, and I can blame it on COVID. I can blame it on whatever you want to do. The fact of the matter is, I was thinking this was going to be some of the glassing on the lower stuff that we did on these knobs. Yeah. I was thinking that we were going to be looking through a lot of that country. I didn't realize we were going to be looking up at these, you know, pretty rocky, rugged, yeah, cliffs, and um, and that's where we were going to hunt, and. Um, that I was not in the type of shape that I would, if I was to come back to this hunt, I would definitely, definitely uh, be more prepared. Yeah. The thing is, is you have five days. So, uh, Kyle and I talked about antelope hunting and how sometimes in antelope hunting, you're not hunting antelope, you're hunting opportunities. Yeah. We don't have that time. We don't have that type of time in some regards. Although we did do that, we didn't leave every day and go bust off hoping we could get on something that dropped into a bunch of trees. But there's a point where you have to try and make something happen. Right. And what we had going for us is we knew they were going to be in that basin. Or that 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 draw, that, that bowl, whatever. Back, We knew they were going to be back behind it. There was no reason for them not to be. It was going to have the kind of cover they were going to like to bed in and when they dropped out of sight we were pretty sure they were there so we were confident we could probably get up there and reacquire yeah, and we, weren't, we weren't yeah we weren't going in there we were going to a point where we could glass in there and right. then relocate them and then make the final plan so it wasn't like we were just gonna you know burn up the bottom of that draw that they were in and hope that they stood there and gave us a shot if they were in there we were you know was it was thought out so we get to the top and i'm gonna explain to the listeners how it works when we are covering country normally what's happening is tanners in the the front you had the two to six hundred in your pack so that it was secure so we're not we did on our first stock we did break some equipment yeah because we're going through thick stuff which happens quickly and it happens i mean our Equipment, we say this all the time. We're using equipment that is not designed for what how we use it. Yeah. Um, 
it's studio equipment. And uh, so, Kyle, you had the two to six hundred secured in your pack. I did, yeah. I had and a, then you had the sixteen to thirty-five on 35 the chest on your chest. So on a on a mount that's that mounts on his uh, quick release on his on his the front of his backpack. So he's readily available to grab that camera and he can run. Um, you know, as we're trying to document this adventure to, to show people, um, you, if you're not hitting record, you're not capturing the event. So, so Kyle needed to have a camera he could do that with. But we also wanted the cameras that we were going to actually, once we got on, went on the stock, we'd pull them out, put them on tripods, do what we needed to do there. But everything's pretty t packed in there. And so Tanner will pick the route, I guess is the best way to say, um, looking at the onyx to make sure we're going around any public-private, you know, boundaries, and then making sure we're in, headed in the right direction. Um, but what realistically happens is Tanner um, has long legs and a stride that's probably a little bit faster than yours and I, Kyle, oh, Kyle would you agree? Yeah, to say the least, so yeah. So <laughs> pretty soon what you find is you have Tanner up ahead and Trev and Kyle are working through. And uh, Tanner stops and lets us catch up and then we go again. I'm pretty sure that I'm working a third a third harder uh -huh. than than Tanner because uh, I, my legs are shorter, you know, about a third shorter, and all that stuff. It's all, <laughs> all, all mathematics here. Um, so I'm probably working the hardest out of all three of us, although Kyle's not that much taller than I am. Correct. Um, but anyway, so if you were to watch us through spotting scope, you would see uh, one little dot of a guy leaving two behind. Stopping, letting those two catch up, <laughs> going, you know, so it's <laughs> that's how we worked our way up there. So we got up to the top, and I look up, and you're standing there talking to a guy. Yup. And I'm like, oh. so let's talk about the ethics of public land. Here we are. He's already up on the top. Tanner, talk up through your conversation with this gentleman, and we never got his name. We didn't video him because. You know, that's kind of rude. We would have ended up having to get him to agree to let us do this. Yeah. And, of course, he's like, what are these three yahoos showing up here? Because yeah. he's seen this bull. So what was the first interaction you had with So, Chacho? I mean, when you, like, you see a guy, I mean, it's kind of like... <laughs> You know his reaction when, when, uh, like when he saw us and when we saw him. It's probably the same thing. It's kind of just deflating, like crap. You worked so hard to get up there. Yeah, and I like I don't think I mean he barely was up there ahead of us, and you know, and I, uh, you know, I saw I walk up to him like, hey, how's it going, blah blah, blah. and you can kind of tell like he's not wanting to say anything really and so i'm like you know which bulls are you going after and he's like oh there's I got a couple bedded in this back basin over here and he's you know indicating 
the exact basin that we're headed to and so at that point I'm like you know it's like crap I mean and he, he did beat us up there and you know I he told me he's like yeah my buddy spotted this bull coming into this basin and so he was not even around when the bull was spotted you know his, his friend called him over there and then and then he went up after and his friend was you know he had a radio in his ear and his friend was obviously you know trying to talk him in on these bulls and you know and we'd been watching the bull you, I, I'm sure we could see the bull long before him long before that other guy could see the bull and I guess our you know our being patient trying to see where that bull kind of finished you know his his feeding and where he where he wanted to bed down or whatever by waiting for that which is probably the right thing to do we ended up behind this guy and not not by much and he, you know obviously he just he just bailed in there and he even said he's like i don't know and i don't know that he even ever saw him i don't know that for sure you know it might be just his buddies explaining where they're at and but he's just not trying to disclose too much information and and uh he even he's like yeah this bull and uh, hindsight i don't know because when we got up there there's two more bulls that we hadn't seen and one of them was a broke a six with a broke sword on one side a little bit smaller bull um, smaller than the one that we watched go in there and and uh, and he's like yeah that the the bull with the broken fourth he was all the way over you know like two canyons over to the east yesterday is what he told me and that's what I got out of that is you know he's kind of trying to legitimize um, you know like he's been hunting this bull or something kind of trying to you know I kind of put dibs but not. yeah and I don't know just to make him feel better or whatever that we'd hiked up in there too and but I was like you know what man I mean you were you were up here in front of us and so we're just gonna let you you know it's your it's your deal go for it and that's a bummer but I think that's that's all there is I mean we mm-hmm. could we could race him up there I guess and and probably what we would do if we did that by, is we would just blow everything out of there if we were racing him, you know? Yeah, and maybe, like, that would have... We probably would have <laughs> beat him, honestly. And, uh... Um... Just by watching him climb up that hill, I, I mean, yeah, he was in pretty good shape, but uh, that's just not the kind... What we wanted to get into, and that's just not ethical, and so well, we kind of just... And let, let what I was thinking later on, again, I had a lot of time to think on that hike out. <laughs> um, it was if we, if I could have talked to him and said, hey, let's work together on this, it might have been something we could have gone over together and um, there was two bulls in there. Yeah. Um, it, it, actually, there was more than two bulls, but I didn't. Um, but we probably could have worked that whole basin out together. Yeah, and I don't know that it would have done any good. I, just, I don't, I mean, it's hard to say. Right. But. So we watch him head on up the ridge where we're going to go. And what we ended up doing is going to the 
the same place we would have ended up anyway had he not even been there to glass into that basin. Mm-hmm. And right away, you picked up... Did we spill something? No, we're okay. good. Uh, a little bit, yeah, but... Anyway, so we yeah we get up there and immediately pick up a bull and you know first off I thought it was the the bigger six that we watched and go in there and that bull was that we watched go in there is probably a three thirty type bull um, and you know I the more I got to look at him like well he's got a broke sword on one side but he was a legal bull because in this unit he was a nice I don't, bull I don't know if we even said this but in this unit. They have to have a six on one side. Yeah, that'd be at least six points on one side. And he was a nice bull. He was the same, you know, kind of the same caliber, maybe shorter on his on his fourth and his fifths. Um, and then just that one side just broken. Um, but just, you know, a, a really nice bull. And um, so I immediately found him, found another smaller bull in there and, took us we didn't we didn't see the bigger bull right off the bat but it was right where that bigger bull was headed to and we never we never saw that guy again and i don't know i don't know how that ended up i mean that bull was in that bull with the broken sword was in a really good spot to get a shot at him if if uh if you'd have hustled over there and i don't know i did see we saw a couple bulls and a couple a couple small bulls and a couple deer blow out of a draw down in there between us and the and the bigger bulls and I don't that easily could have been him you know working up through that stuff but I don't know how that turned out but it's just it was just kind of a bummer um, that we'd put in all that effort and gained that many vertical feed and hiked two miles and you know, to get up there and have to just kind of defer to the other guy. So what we ended up doing is continuing to glass, and we decided to make a big loop around. And the, the crazy thing, Derek made a good point last night. He said, you know, some of that country, he said, I'd rather be on the Florida Mountains. He said, because it's so brushy. Yeah. Here it's just so brushy you can't just work through the rocks. In the Florida Mountains you can, I mean, yeah, it's it's thick and oh, or yeah. I mean it's it's rocky and slippery and this and that. But but there's not all the brush. And we got in there and there were some of those cat claws and and the mahogany and stuff that we're working through. I wouldn't call it oak brush. It wasn't really oak brush as much. Um, but we we started to work through the face and it was tough going so that's when we ended up going on the back side of that knob which was actually towards the bowl and we worked around that to try and see if we could pick up some other elk and by now the sun is getting low yeah on the horizon yeah we know we've got about 30 40 minutes left yeah and so we hoof it around and Derek is at a, on his glassing knob still looking back and what we were hoping is we could get up around maybe get above that basin where we made that first stop where we got on that one big bull yeah you know the, that was kind of cool hopefully there was a bull in there that we would then be in a good position to come down on or or side hill get even with maybe get a shot yeah that was our only play 
we had no idea where the, that hunter had gone. Yeah. But by allowing him to go do that, we kind of had taken everything that was in that that back basin back there. And we were still a thousand yards. Yeah, we were a thousand yards, but when we glassed that bull up, I mean, we, I don't know how long, I don't know how long we sat down below and had lunch and whatever it was it was, it was a, almost an hour it was later time. but yeah we sat there almost an hour and let that guy go up the ridge before we walked up to the top and they spotted those bulls and they were a thousand yards from us and in a great position and i mean it was, that was just a bummer because i, I mean we could have got on them i i think mm-hmm. you know it'd have been a long walk out in the dark but i mean we we would we would have got i guarantee you we would have got sub 100 yards to a, a, a six by if we have went back there so that just kind of added to the to the you know just the heartbreak of having to let that guy go first and like i said i don't know where he was at i expected like you know it, since we had we had an hour head start on us i expected that he would be back there pretty far because we could have we could have got on those bulls when we saw him in 30 minutes. And so I don't know what the heck he was doing no, back and there. We were kind of looking for him too, because I would have expected him moving in towards that ridge or trying to get above that that bowl, like once he crossed over that that little drainage to hop back up, but we never saw him again. Yeah, we never saw him. And when those, when those deer blew out, they were not that far from, they were closer to us than they were to the bowl. So. He was not, if that was the case, he was not very far in back there. And I don't, I don't know why. And like we, when we, we tried to side hill and then pop back up and I looked in there and then we saw the bigger bull back there just sit in the back in the bottom of the draw. Finally, yeah, we, the bull, the bull we initially went in after was in there. It was just a bummer just having to watch him like, yeah, well, we can't, we already, you know, deferred to this guy. So we just, that's all we can do is look at him. And at that point, they were probably 800 yards, you know, and we just have to look at this bull, try to go find another one. Yeah, that that guy passed us not too far once we got back down to the truck. He, I don't know. I think that was the guy. Yeah, I think it was. It was that. It was that ATV that was parked. Yeah. No, I don't know. It wasn't. No, because the ATV was parked by the outfitter camp and that guy passed us before we even got to the outfire camp mm. so i don't know that that was that guy or not anyway yeah bummer was well and then so then we're rush now we're rushing to beat sundown and um we got to see i mean it was there's some beautiful country back there we got back around as we went around that that point on the backside. And it was a northeast facing slope, so it was still really snowy. Yeah. And the deer tracks in there, Holy the smokes, elk tracks there was deer in there, tracks there everywhere. Was, everywhere there was deer tracks. We saw three bucks back in there, a bunch of does, some more elk. I mean, there's a lot of. It was, it was it was fun i mean i enjoyed that hike and getting to see that country but that's pretty much all it was we dedicated our whole day to one nice big bowl and had to 
had to give it up just because somebody hit the top of the ridge, you know, right before us. I mean, when I saw that guy, he was only 100 yards in front of me. And, <laughs> no, that's what we just missed it by that much. Yeah. Well, I think you have to take into account when you're hunting not just animal proximity wind you know but in on public land you got you have to take into account other people and and there is a there is a an ethics that you have to do and there's a lot of people that will just look over see another person and go I'm gonna beat them there yeah and then it becomes a race yeah. and nobody's winning in that situation no so you know it's just kind of a what type of sportsman and even though we knew we knew that was basically our last day yeah and um, I wouldn't say it was as good a play as when we went up after the big bull on the second day in in that what was that the third day is, is that the third day second, second day okay um, I wouldn't say that what we were doing was as solid a plan because we could continue to see that bull and then we'd lose him but then he didn't move yeah and so all we had to do is try and get up there and, but here we knew they were in that basin and the problem was it was just a lot further back yeah yeah and i i mean i would say it was as far as getting close to a bull i'm i'd say it was as good or better of, of a play but it was just a, there was a lot it was a huge commitment it was a right. it was the day i mean that was it um you know if we had to beat that guy in there i think we'd have had a pretty solid shot of getting close and if we would have if we would have not gone in there you know we might have had another play before evening is something closer but we just that we just committed to that and just didn't didn't go our way. Right. But there's nothing. There's just that's just how it was, and there, we can't nothing you can do about it. For me, the walk out was. Uh, I was thinking as I as we were coming out in the dark, how glad I was that I didn't have a hind quarter, or <laughs> front quarter, or something in my back because. <laughs> Uh, you know, my back, my bow was strapped to my pack, but it, you know, wasn't probably 20, 25 pounds. I mean, I, I didn't have a, a heavy pack. Right. Um, and but with that topography, and you know, I I slipped, tweaked my knee, which my knees are are probably my weakest point because of wrestling and all the stuff I've done. Um. Roy and I were talking earlier in this in the in the hunt about how important it was that we are picking and choosing our battles. You can't just run willy-nilly because you will literally burn yourself out. Right. And then when a good play comes, you're so sore or, or wore out that you can't you can't do it. So we were being wise in that regards. But this was also the last ditch kind of effort. We're going to commit this day, and we're going to go try and kill this bull. Yeah, and it wasn't. Yeah, and it was a good play. It was just a long ways yeah. in there. And on that hunt, I mean, I would say that your 
to me, I would, I'm taking quality over quantity on that every time as far as what stocks I go on. Um, just because, I mean, it is such rough country and you start to push those bulls around and push them up the mountain further and everything on these bad stocks. So to me, you know, getting in five days, getting one stock on a bull that's bedded underneath some rocks or something is better to me than just going after every single bull you see. And I think, you know, we had two good, two good opportunities to get close to bulls, even though they didn't work out for, for different reasons. So I would say we did we did fairly good. Yeah, I, uh, I I know that when I got down to the bottom, the first thing I did is uh, I texted my daughter because she's been asking me what I want for Christmas, and I texted my daughter uh, <laughs> some trekking poles. Yeah. Well, I went on Amazon, we looked at some good trekking poles, and I texted her that link. I said, "Hey, I need some trekking poles." Um, you know, and I I've used them before. Matter yeah. of fact, when I we killed. Uh, when Kyle and I killed that bull in Colorado and our pack out wasn't that long but I did use those trekking poles just because it was you yeah. know, going to be a heavy heavy pack and um, you know and there's something about that stability I, my knees were hurting and when we got back to the truck I was pretty sure that you know I'd laid it out there I'd left I'd left as you say I left it on the field yeah, left it <laughs> on the mountain so I, I think it was a I think it was a good hunt I think it's a hunt that like I said before you have to be ready for you I was not in the best of shape for this you on the other hand are coming off of a guide season where you've been climbing hills and mountains in in Colorado yeah and um, Kyle how'd you feel uh I mean I felt physically I felt fine my legs my legs and everything else felt okay but I run out of breath pretty quick so it's uh it's definitely tougher like climbing up those hills and stuff too I feel like I, I track my heart rate a lot so I think hitting right around that 140 145 is when I'd start feeling it but I keep working on that yeah I gotta get on that peloton right <laughs> do the take some spin classes yes anything well, to increase the lung capacity <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything better for hiking with a backpack or a heavy load or whatever than hiking, hiking with, with a, a backpack, backpack and a heavy yeah. load I think you know uh, there's reasons guys uh, go load up their backpack and go hike you know that's why I go shed hunting doggy yeah well but <laughs> shed hunting and hunting season are I can literally I could literally be getting great shape you know in the spring but if you don't maintain it you know it doesn't doesn't matter that's true you have to maintain it so and it's a different type of shape than um a guy who just goes and jogs i mean yeah. i think that's great and i think you're good for uh, getting your respiratory endurance maybe increased all that stuff but there's something about you know your your legs being in shape so yeah for uh, sure what what did your what did you your watch said we went eight miles yeah for the day yesterday and that we climbed what was the steer because he has a watch that yeah, it just shows floors so it shows what were we 120 some 
floors up or stories up and then 137 down I would I would if I were to assume it'd be eight to nine feet per story maybe I think I don't know. I don't know what it would be anyway it was it was it was I felt like I was climbing stairs yeah except that there was it's like 16,000 steps or something prickly stickers and cactus and yuccas all over the stairs yuccas and then the stairs would move sometimes they would roll out from underneath you yeah so yeah it was a great hunt and and i i'm i mean it's what an awesome experience you know we stayed in a little motel it was really nice to have that shower and and you know sleep in the in a bed where we weren't well i don't know about that but yeah well, yeah, Tanner <laughs> forgot his sleeping bag and sleeping pad, and he was sleeping on a cot. So he wrapped himself up in a couple blankets, and you still got cold. Yeah, that's that air circulation around the cot. And, you know, I mean, I, it's just just trying to make myself tougher. You know? Oh, I got you. Because <laughs> it, really, it, was, it was really tough staying in a heated motel room on a cot, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just adds to that. I'm pretty much David Goggins. You pretty much are. <laughs> <laughs> Grizzly Adams, whatever. You know, one of those. Yeah. Well, I want to throw a shout out to Derek Harris and South Peak Guide Service. And like I said, if you're interested in hunting New Mexico, you need to get a hold of him. Um, I think uh, Derek, uh, you, can fo- you can find him on Instagram, uh, South Peak Guide Service, Derek Harris. Um, I, D E. I I don't remember what is. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, just if you, not if you're in, interested in hunting New Mexico. If you want to hunt New Mexico with the biggest killer in New Mexico, <laughs> then call him. If you're not interested in that, find somebody else. Yeah, exactly. He is. Yeah, oh. It's D E dot R E K seventy four. Yeah. and he's like Derek is one of the like when we're glassing I'm like trying I'm like having a, comp- a silent competition because I want to be able to like hold my own against Derek because I don't think there's probably a, a better person behind glass just across the board um, between Ibex and Barbary and elk or deer or whatever coos deer I mean that that dude is impressive and there's a lot of good glassers out there and he just has he's just got the knack for it and he's also they just put big stuff on the ground and it doesn't matter what it is coos muleys oryx barbary elk doesn't matter and and the other thing is with new mexico uh the non-resident tag allocation is so low if you just apply on your own and it's much better if you apply with an outfitter. Yeah, and I think I think on this hunt he said that there was one non-resident tag and five non-resident outfitter tags. So applying through him, you know, is that much better odds. You're going after one tag with all the other non-residents otherwise. So applying through him as an outfitter, it gives you a leg up. And it's, it's like that in all in all the units I think so yeah for sure well guys I'm glad you guys were got to be here with me and yeah. share yeah, in this fun. adventure and I think it this would definitely be a hunt I think I would apply for that hunt for you, sure yeah. oh yeah yeah I think you 
I think it would be more suited for a guy like you physically. Um, and I, I'm going to continue to, I really want to get back in 16A with Derek and try and. Those Gila. Oh, I want to go to the Gila. Yeah. So. Badly. But. Well, I think you guys got anything, anything else to add? That's pretty, I'm pretty much, I'm tapped out. Podcasted out. All right. Well, God bless everybody. Thanks for listening. As always, we want to encourage you to seek out what stirs your soul, what wild place, uh, you know, gets those those juices flowing, if you will, and uh, embrace them. God bless. We'll see you down the trail.